my wife and I, we run quarterly meetings where we just come together and just examine um, everywhere we are, you know, where we're going. Uh, we leverage uh, some basic tools like personal capital and we leverage Mint. And uh, we just, we make it a celebration, man. Well, we'll prepare a nice brunch and we'll sit down on a Saturday afternoon and we'll just pour into the finances and make sure we we're, we have accounting for every dollar and uh, discussing any particular goals that we have upcoming. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. All righty, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, episode 205 here. This is Clark here with my co-host, Jace. Jace, what's going on? Anything new in your life? Not a whole lot, man. Doing pretty good. How you doing? Doing pretty well. We were just chatting a little bit before, and we just wanted to play an audio clip or an audio message that we received from Billy. And, and so let's play this from Billy, and then we'll talk about that. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, first off, thank you so much for your awesome show. Uh, this uh, I believe is my favorite podcast. Never miss an episode. Love Monday mornings and uh, really appreciate you guys. Uh, one question I have for pretty much any uh, millionaire that would be appropriate or even from you guys. Uh, I just love hearing the genuine stories, uh, the ups and the downs. Uh, I'm on my own journey and uh, we all know things aren't always easy. Uh, sometimes uh, things happen and uh, we don't have a straight line to success. So any examples or uh, mindsets on on just plodding along even when uh, maybe uh, there's not as much extra to save or to invest, uh, but just kind of keeping that, uh, that, that long view in mind and any real stories of perhaps somebody who ha- was on their journey doing great and then maybe they saw a dip, uh, maybe there was a, a life situation that caused uh, more expenses or, or whatever, what have you, uh, any stories like that that includes just that real up and down and how they dealt with it. I uh, would love to hear your thoughts on that, um, as I know that's something that uh, would I know would would help me. And uh, but either way, thank you guys for what you're doing. Keep up the great work, and I'll, uh, I'll keep on listening. Okay, so really the question is, how do you maintain a long term approach, right? How do you maintain a long term perspective when you when things may be moving slower than usual? So. I'll kind of give my two cents, I feel like, on what I've picked up from people that we've interviewed on the podcast. Um, we tried to, to think about a few millionaires that come to mind, but I know there's been a lot, especially that have paid out debt, and it's, it's taken a while and how they kept that approach. But for me personally, and, and some of the lessons that I've learned from others is the first thing is to keep listening to the story. So I think a lot of people have found motivation through hearing other people's stories, and that could be on our show. A lot of people mentioned Dave Ramsey as well, but just trying to hear other people's story, how they're doing it, celebrating their successes. And then sometimes you hear about a situation that's challenging and and you just start to relate that to your own situation and how you can learn from it and how the situation's different. And so, you know, that was always motivating for me when I was starting early on investing is, is trying to learn, but also understand what other people were doing and how that could relate to, to my individual journey. I think the second step is it helped me to track it and to, to see my progress. And admittedly, sometimes it looks like it's not moving as fast as you would like or not growing as fast as you would like. But when you can see that progress side by side, that kind of helped me 
maintain a long-term approach. And then lastly, I think we've heard a couple times on the show that people celebrate the moments. They celebrate small victories, small wins here and there with their finances. They set goals. I mean, it's one of the reasons Dave Ramsey talks about snowballing your debt is once you get the ball rolling, it continues to go and continues to move. So that's an important piece of it too. Once the progress starts, it snowballs a little bit faster. So those are my kind of quick three thoughts. Jace, in terms of keeping your eye on big picture and how to how to keep yourself motivated when trying to either get over debt or get out of a bad situation or to continue to grow your net worth when you feel like you're not making progress as quickly as you would like, what's your take? Yeah, I think you, you made some really good points. I think celebrating some of those small wins uh, along the journey is, is is big deal, right? You know, whether it's 1,000 or 5,000 or 10,000, whatever the mark is, uh, you know, just to get started, whether it's paying down debt or you know, just building up the net worth and then tracking, like you mentioned, I think it's really easy for us to, to maybe go, you know, and look at, oh, I haven't made any progress. But when you look at it on, on a spreadsheet and you see what you've accomplished, you know, month over month, quarter over quarter and year over year, you really start to, you know, see, and it's not obviously all in one year, but, you know, start looking at decade over decade, you know, down the road, it's like, wow, you really have come a long way. And so I think just, you know, staying the course sticking to to the investment strategy that you choose and and making sure that you track it and stay focused and celebrate those wins are are, are good tidbits to to kind of stay focused and you know everyone's on their own journey and everyone's going to do things a little bit differently and at different rates and have you know defined success differently but if you just kind of keep yourself in those bounds that that you've set for yourself and focus on that you know you're in a game against yourself and you know if you keep that that focus I think you'll have a lot of success, you know, looking back on the decades and whatnot. Yeah, I think there's also that saying that, I mean, I'll I'll butcher it here, but there's that saying that you overestimate what you can accomplish in a year and underestimate what you can accomplish in five or 10. So I think not getting discouraged by, you know, in, in a quarter or six months or a year or even two years and trying to model out big picture five, 10 years where you're going to get to, I think that helps keep some uh, perspective as well. So thanks for thanks to Billy for writing that question in. If you have an answer, something that you may be able to share, I mean, we'll share these if people want to respond and connect and share answers. I think it would be interesting. So go to our website, millionairesunveiled.com, hit the tab, ask a millionaire, and you can either write in or send a recording. Um, we'd be happy to hear from you and happy to hear any new questions as well. So last week, just as a quick reminder, we had Trey, 33 years old. He had a software company. Most of his net worth, $2.3 million, is in that, but interesting to hear about him and what he's doing with small business especially. This week, we have Marvin. He has a net worth of over $1 million, and it's mainly invested in the stock market. So anybody who's interested more in the stock markets, less in real estate, Marvin may be your guy. So fun interview coming up with him. So Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Again, if you have a question for us or any of the millionaires, go to our website, millionaires.com. Hit the tab, Ask a Millionaire. We'd love to hear from you and include it in the show. So without any further delay, let's get into episode 205 with Marvin. Marvin, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, sure thing. First, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, So yeah, Marvin, I've been married for uh, 15 years. My wife and I, we're child-free. And uh, currently working in uh, an HR organization. Awesome! And what is your net worth today? Um, right at right over a million, a million twenty-five thousand. Awesome! Congrats on being a millionaire. How is that broken up? Uh, so the the big portion of it is in retirement accounts. So there's more. So more specifically, there's 
about 785 that's sitting in retirement accounts and um, the rest is broken out. So cash, we I sit on about 50 grand cash, about 30,000 in home equity, about, oh, 80, 80 or so thousand in VTSAX. And um, the rest is broken up in uh, just some other company stocks, oh, about 90 grand in my current company stock. Uh, a good old T row price account from back in the day I just haven't touched. It's about fifteen grand in there. It's uh, in a Roth IRA. Well, you got quite quite the diversification. So let, let's jump into a few of these accounts, retirement accounts. Is that basically in a traditional four hundred one k or a, a traditional IRA? Yeah, uh, traditional four hundred one ks. Okay, and is that invested in equities or bonds? How's that broken up? Mainly in equities. Uh, very very little uh, is in bonds. And it's interesting. A lot of it is, is are there really like S&P accounts um, across the board is where most of that money is allocated. Awesome. And has it always been like that since you started investing or started your professional career? You know, it, it really has. So I started, yeah, started the 401k investing very early on. I started working, just putting in at least like the minimal whatever a company match was at the time. And then kind of heard that it's good to try to find within those accounts, uh, something that matches the market like S&P. And so I always just kind of had that minimal information and, and guided the funds that way. Awesome. So Marvin, let me ask, did you start maxing out those accounts or, or getting the match when you very when you, when you took your very first job out of school? No, no. So for me, first, right out of school, I began in the military. And um, didn't save anything. <laughs> so I had like a good five years there where just didn't save and didn't begin. So I lost ground there. And then the next, the first job after that just began with like 3%, um, very, very minimal, minimal amount. Probably it took me an additional five years before it was like, okay, definitely minimal company match. Um, and then try to get up to like, my goal was like to get up to 10%. So you've really never matched, maxed it out? I've only started maxing it out over like the last, oh, three to four years. Wow. So you built up quite the portfolio with just contributing. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, would, I think that's fair to say. So between my wife and I, I have very similar stories in that realm. And so where my wife, she was a bit more disciplined with it. She had some advice from um, her mother early on that was like, she didn't share a lot, but it was, hey, save 10% and make sure that's in a in a 401k. So my wife, she's been on target for that majority of time. For me, now I, I, had, I didn't have a lot of that ground, um, not until later later on. Interesting. So going forward, do you plan to continue to max it out or are you going to slow down a little bit and contributing now that you've basically gotten to the point where it's probably making more money than you can contribute to it, right? Year over year. Yeah. You know, and, and, and really I just, I kept it just maxed out now. It's uh, like for a good, decent tax break, but I, I was, I mean, I hadn't, hadn't really had plans on doing anything else with it for a little bit though. I did pull back some, oh, about six months this year invested that money while the market was going down. And it, it was a really good time. I mean, not, not the market going down, but it was the first time I was able to say, you know what, I'm going to take advantage and just invest and pour. We poured money into uh, VTSAX and benefited pretty well from it. 
What gave you either the the insight or the the ability to say that you're going to go and invest? And I'm assuming that's in a taxable account versus putting it in your retirement account, investing just cash. Is that correct? Yes. So what what gave you the ability, whether it's mindset or the intuition to go ahead and do that as in, in the, the pandemic hits, I'm, sh- I'm sure you're talking about when the market took a little dip there, you were able to, to take advantage, I guess. What gave you comfort that you were buying at a good time and maybe it wasn't going to go down even more? You know, it's, pro- it's probably a combination of just various uh, podcasts that I will listen to and uh, other others' insights from like the Choose a Five page or Fat Fire page. And then I used to listen to a lot of... Um, there was a um, podcast called um, Optimal Finance Daily. I tell you, man, that those like little nine minute blog readings. I came across so much information about how the market would always continuously go up. It's going to have its dips. But if you're able to remain steady and not pull your money out when it dips, you're going to you're going to benefit. And um, I say a combination of all those items really just propelled me this time to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Got a, got a really good feeling that, you know, things would be relatively okay afterwards and um, went ahead and began investing. Like it was, it was pretty intense because it was like March, end of March, April and May time frame when things were like doom and gloom. But man, I tell you, it, it really, it really panned out. Um, so it was really, I think that discipline from listening to those various uh, inputs and then actually just taking a chance to execute on it. So did that investing during COVID, is that what helped you become a millionaire or were you already there pre-COVID? No, I would I would say um, I was about 940s, 935-ish. And um, that push there, I forget when I made that post, but right when things were swinging back up, was I, I, I contributed a lot towards investing in that dip. Yeah. Good for you. And then I just want to circle back to your home equity. You said about 30000 in home equity, right? Yes. How much is your home worth? Uh, home's worth uh, $300,000. Okay. And did you do an FHA loan on that? Yes. Yep. Okay. And how come you decided to do that? It's interesting. Yeah, just, um, I don't know, just felt, felt like the right thing to do at, the, at, that, at that time uh, when it was going in, going into purchase. So yeah, we just went that route. And does paying off the home early or aggressively interest you, or do you have it on a 30-year and are in no rush to pay it off? Just curious to get your take, because I think our, our our millionaires differ here. Yeah, that's a great question. So for us, it's a balance. I, I'm Right now, I'm putting, a, putting in like an additional $800 a month towards the mortgage, and um, it's gonna. I forget that exact balance rate. I think that's. I think that's right at the halfway point of a thirty year. And so I, I didn't want to be too aggressive, but I didn't want to not put anything. Uh, just went ahead and allocated that amount and just been on auto paying it down. And you have fifteen. You said uh, it's on a thirty. Okay, thirty years. So your payments what around eight hundred bucks a month or something? Um, they're right about. I think taxes and all like thirteen something like that. Okay, with the escrow stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So let's just take a step back here, uh, Marvin, because I know we talked a lot about your allocation primarily in, in retirement accounts, which is uh, amazing there. I mean, such a high balance, right? Almost 800000 in retirement accounts. But let's back up to your story. Like, wh- who's Marvin and how did this all start? Yeah. So I ultimately, man, just uh, 
got out. I served in the military for for five years. Uh, got out and didn't really fully know what I wanted to do right away, and um, just began um, tapping back into what I did in the military, which was a lot of a lot of training. Was able to jump into the the world of uh, learning and development, and began exploring as a business partner for some retail organizations. Um, really honing in uh, my skills in that space. Um, and then career has just been progressively moving along in, in that in that realm. And man, just along the way, just figuring out, hey, what do I want to do, you know, with 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 these with these uh funds that are coming in. Another part of the story for for me is my wife and I decided very early on to be child free. And man, it's it's just um that's been a really cool thing to be able to explore. Um, it just gives us a lot, a lot of more flexibility, and then also it it just enables us to do things that neither one of us were able to see in our circles, either growing up at home or even in current circles. I've always known people with families, and it's always certain obligations. But um, you know, being in this space, it just allows us to do you know really cool vacations, and we're always hanging out to do, just kind of enjoying friends, enjoying life. But I think we're, we're at that point now, we're trying to figure out what exactly do we thoroughly enjoy to do <laughs> that we can't buy? Right. That's a, this is a, it's kind of a disturbing question for us. <laughs> so, uh, which leads us into all this space of, man, what are we gonna do with these, you know, with these funds? I mean, after a while, I know consumerism is just exhausting or that lifestyle inflation, that's, you know, it's just nonstop. So now, now what do you do? And that's kind of where we are now, just really mapping out where do we want to, where do we want to go? What do we want to do ultimately? Yeah. So along that line, any interest in retiring early? Yeah. You know, you know, for us, and I've heard various people describe that retire has such a, like a negative connotation. It's like, oh, retire means you're going to go fishing. Right. Right. You know, for us, we're like, I do, we do have aspirations to get to a point where we don't have to you know, maintain these, um, these corporate roles, but being able to do, just have that freedom just to choose to do whatever we, I, I, I can see myself doing a lot of consulting on the side. Just, I just really enjoy it. And, and same, same thing for my wife. We do a lot of, uh, giving back at various places, like in schools or in churches to where we began, we began sharing out just the basics of finance. I mean, nothing, nothing fancy, just to straight up save your money and don't go into too much debt and get out of debt, you know, all, all the basics. Because I find that, you know, there's a lot of challenge with just that whole, you know, because we're being marketed to 24 seven. So always for that need to buy, buy, buy and, you know, consume. It's like just breaking that alone and we're sharing that information with people has been rather eye opening and, and a good time. Yeah, so let me just jump. We'll come back to this because I want to keep going on it. But let me just jump back. How come you joined the military in the first place? Just curious. And thank oh, you. Yeah. Obviously, thanks for your service as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You're welcome. You know, I I had a good friend and also some family members, but I speak of my good friend who had an uncle who was a colonel in the Air Force. And I thought he was the coolest guy in the world. Always told these great stories. And, you know, as a kid, when you're hearing these kind of stories, I'm, I'm 16, I'm like, man, this guy has traveled all over the place. And he had such a sense of purpose and had so much pride in, you know, what he was doing for the mission of our country and, and protecting the country. And 
I was like, man, I want to, I want to do that. Uh, so between him and I had two of my uncles as well who retired uh, from the military and uh, just that whole sense of pride that I would see in them. It, it was really inspirational to say like, you know what, I want to follow in that, in those footsteps to go explore and, you know, and serve, serve the country. It was a really, really, really cool feeling and decided I was like, right, right. I turned uh, 17. I was like, this is what I want to do um, after high school. So yeah, that's what led me to it. And so did you end up going to college at all? Yeah, I uh, I went some while I was in, and then I finished up uh, undergrad and grad once once I left the Air Force. Okay, good for you. So then you came back, finished up school, and then started working full-time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow, good for you. How along this whole journey, right? So you go from joining the Air Force at age 17, right? Yeah. And how you're, now you're worth one million or over a million, right? In, in a short time frame. You and your wife, I should add, right? How aggressive were you along the way? Do you feel like you spent along the way and enjoyed and did these vacations? Or were you super, you know, like gazelle intense, as Dave Ramsey says, initially? Or what was your balance along this journey? Yeah, really great question. And so I was introduced to Dave. Oh, we see, we got married in 05. I probably met Dave, uh, his philosophy, at about 2008. And so right around that time frame was when it was like, we got to get out of debt. You know, that, that terror, that's what, it cracks me up and I hear it. Gazelle intense. Let's get out of debt. Now, I will say <laughs> I, I, we never fully like he, he's like rice and beans, beans and rice. And I, I mean, I, this might be not popular, but I never really bought into that that deeply. And so I would help us to allocate a particular amount to snowball to get out of debt, but it allowed a, a good amount of cushion to to enjoy life along the way. And so I would say we were somewhat intense, but definitely not gazelle intense uh, to get out of uh, to get out of debt. And um, for us, it was cars. I think the cars and student loans, right, the biggest things that we carried actually from it's interesting. I'm looking at 2008. So just last no, 2018 was when we got intense again. And uh, just uh, last year, oh, I think it was September we were debt free except for the house. So it was kind of within spurts, I guess. So so you basically became debt free and a millionaire like in a year. Yeah. So it's so it's so <laughs> I remember uh we <laughs> it was so funny. We were when we got a debt and student loans, cars, and man, we were so excited that evening. It was like we're gonna pop some champagne and celebrate um and then map out our plan. So yeah, literally a, like a year now. Um it's been the time that we've actually been adding to rather than, you know, that whole see a huge number you subtract from. So it's very, uh, it's a new experience still being able to like, like, where's this money going? You can really truly see it now. So if it just go into the lenders now, it's like, oh, wait, this is like piling up and it's going nowhere, but up and for us. So it's been pretty cool to see. Marvin, do you regret maybe the route that you took with that debt? Maybe you invested or, or stopped investing in, in retirement accounts and paid off the debt earlier? Or are you happy the journey that you that you went on and, and the result is the result? You know, I I think I'm I think I'm kind of happy with it overall. Actually, I, I know I am. Um, there were some times during the journey where I was like, man, we should be more, you know, intentional and 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 really lean in on this debt further. But the experiences that I've had throughout I, I don't think I'd trade those. What are some of those experiences that, that you mentioned? Yeah, yeah. So um, we 
love we love to travel and this is now we're in what dun 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 the travel is slowed down tremendously <laughs> exactly <laughs> but uh, i mean it was you know impromptu trips to, to paris or we would head to uh to spain um uh, like love to travel across europe um it would be let us let's head to remember this restaurant that we tried in downtown chicago it's like oh let's let's book that for this weekend i mean it was really just um just frolicking around the the various cities domestically um, that we just enjoyed. Love like love Vegas as an example. Love Miami. So things like that, we would you know find these good deals, or sometimes there wouldn't be a good deal. We would just you know I have the funds allocated, and we just go do it, and enjoy. Yeah, it's interesting that it's something we we've talked about with many of our millionaires: how much to live versus how much to save, and. You know, whether or not turn it on later, if you've say, been a saver in your early years, how do you turn it on? When do you turn it on? Or do you do kind of the approach that you've taken where maybe you don't pay off your debt quickly as quickly as maybe you could have, but you have some of those experiences you, you discussed? At this point, does it give you a sense of comfort to have all that debt paid off? You know, actually, it does. It it, it makes me feel like, I don't know, It's 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 like a just a weight off your shoulders that you don't even realize is there. And I remember just looking at my student loan. It became such a routine thing. And I shouldn't even had one, but it was just one of those, oh, I'll just take the loan out or whatever. And you would see that number and to see that bill going out month after month after month. And it became so normal that I didn't, I didn't think about how stressful that actually was until it was paid off. And then you start seeing that money pile up. You're like, oh, Man, I should have, I should have paid this off a, long, a while ago, maybe. But but yeah, it does feel I do feel like a sense of a sense of relief. Those vacations and experiences that that you discussed were those done essentially with debt on a credit card, or was it just something that you chose to budget for those versus maybe paying off debt aggressively? No, we we never really um, did much with the uh, the credit card as far as carrying debt there. Um, it was more so just um, funds that were allocated. We did do some travel hacking along the way, um, taking advantage of points for for various cards. Um, but never cared we never carried any balance on the on the credit cards. Hey, small business leaders, are you looking for an easier way to onboard and manage remote employees? Are you handling all the HR at your company? Well, JustWorks makes it easier for you to start, run, and grow a business. Let me tell you how JustWorks can help your business. JustWorks is the ultimate HR platform for small and growing businesses. With simple software and expert support for benefits, payroll, HR, and compliance. Across the country, small businesses with big dreams love JustWorks for its simplicity, intuitive platform, and time-saving features. Whether your team is remote or in person, you can give them access to national large group health insurance plans and manage onboarding, payroll, PTO, and compliance all in one place. Sure, you can do it all, but why do it alone? Learn how JustWorks can help. Find out how JustWorks can help your business by going to JustWorks.com. Again, that's JustWorks.com for more information. So Marvin, you've got this net worth built up, millionaire. Where, I mean, obviously you've done a phenomenal job. You've got no debt now other than your house that you mentioned. Where do you go from here? Are you targeting net worth or passive income goal down the road or early retirement or anything special? For me, definitely the early retirement route is going to be something that we're going to be exploring. Um, and then also, I've been trying to 
figure out what I would want to do in the real estate world. Um, right now, I don't, we don't have any, but I've often been, been thinking about here, especially recently, like, man, I wonder if that'd be a good move to help build up some passive income. And then also just give us some some projects to work on as well, uh, just from that aspect. So definitely we'll be be exploring exploring that uh, relatively soon. So Marvin, let me jump back just real quick. I'm reviewing my notes here to your allocation. So you mentioned you have, I think you said 90,000, is that correct, in company stock? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And is that stock that you've purchased or is that like stock options slash incentives or how? what does that look like? Um, it's a combination. So some of it was, um, actually, I didn't purchase any. It's just been kind of, you know, how you get those um, allocations gifted over the years. And I just, just left it there. Actually, it's from two different companies, combination of the stocks. I just, I just never touched it. Just kind of left it there. So really, those are the only, if there's just two, are those the only two that where you own individual stocks versus index funds? Yeah, but for the majority is, is index funds. Now, I did, um, looking back when, like when Apple just uh, split, I did buy, oh, about, I think about $4,500 worth of Apple. But I think that's, that's really all I have as far as stocks. Okay. And then on your index fund side, just on the retirement accounts, it's more in traditional versus, versus Roth, right? How come you chose that? Was Roth not an option or just like the traditional aspect? Um, a little bit of both. So mainly like I didn't have that Roth option, but yeah, that traditional piece, it, it just, it just, at the time, it just seemed like it made more sense. And it's funny. I look back at that. I haven't touched those accounts in, in a good number of years. Uh, just to kind of watch watch them grow has been been very interesting, um, but yeah, I just had it. I haven't. It, I didn't really do anything much with those outside of we just invested and just kind of left it alone. Yeah. So I, I'm curious now of your. I'm going to call it your order of operations of what you do with your money now, right? So I assume you you're contributing to your retirement accounts, right? But with no debt now, right? You guys are bringing in money every month and saving money every month. Where does that go? Do you just throw that into a just a regular investment account? Do you do you keep it in cash? Are you saving for a specific purchase? Like, where does that money go? Where's that next six months of savings or investing going to go? Yeah, so so this year we we did a lot of we wanted to really pile up some cash um, just to have uh, a nice a decent cushion, and so that's where we have uh, 50k allocated. But then the rest, we've, we're going to continue to focus in index funds. That's likely going to be when we have our financial meeting what, next month. Yeah, next month. That's going to be the big focus. Um, and really, the, the goal for us is to I'm going to save up and allocate $100,000 to VTSAX for that year. It's going to be our, it's going to be the target. And when you say financial meeting, is that with a financial advisor? No, no. So uh, my wife and I, we... Um, Man, we 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 began to we run quarterly meetings where we just come together and just examine um, everywhere we are, you know, where we're going. Uh, we leverage uh, some basic tools like personal capital, and we leverage Mint, and uh, we just we make it a celebration, man. Well, we'll prepare a nice brunch and we'll sit down on a Saturday afternoon and we'll just pour into the finances and make sure we 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 have accounting for every dollar and. Uh, discussing any particular goals that we have upcoming. So does that mean you budget and you review the budget or you review where everything went? No, we do budgets. We're really tight on those. As you know, that's another thing I attribute to Dave is that zero based. And so like definitely know where every dollar is at all times. 
Uh, these are more checkpoints to see, check on all of our, all the investments to see how they're performing, uh, decide if we want to make any adjustments. A lot of times we don't. Um, and then, or decide now it's going to be interesting because there's, you know, no debt to deal with. It's more of, okay, do we want to focus our funds in our brokerage account to really in- increase that space? Um, or if we're actually trying to decide about, you know, the, a real estate option, possibly a saving towards that. Um, so there's really those, we don't really, we don't, we, we use the financial advisor, actually not use, we had a meeting with one one time. To be honest, I just couldn't get past the idea of paying somebody to tell my money where to go. I, I couldn't understand it. <laughs> well, that's neat on the quarterly meetings. Good for you guys. That's how long you've been doing that. Um, that's been about, um, oh, for these last, I would say eight years. Good for you. So I assume your wife also works, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. And I know just from talking to you before the show, you, you, you guys have moved around a little bit. How have you decided where to do that? And that's got to be difficult, right? With two people working, knowing how to manage careers. And if one person moves, gets a great job in one city, someone has to quit their job or work remotely, you know, that can, it sounds hard. How did you manage that? Yeah, that's, that's such a great question. And that is, that is a challenge because both of our careers are just doing very well. And so it's, it's really a challenge to see, okay, here's a new opportunity. You know, who gets, who gets to take it? Who take, who takes the lead on it? And for us, <laughs> well, for us, it really, so one thing, like I mentioned earlier on, like, so we're child free. So that makes it a ton easier. And so it's literally, we can objectively take a look at whatever opportunity is presented and we can dissect it purely upon what we want. And um, it's, it actually just worked out. So the first two moves initially were based upon my career. And um, I took a move from a job that I really I was doing very well and liked it. But at the time, my wife just had a tremendous opportunity. And that's what landed us uh, here and where I literally just I left, left my job to come to to follow, which is very interesting. And um, luckily was able to network and and, and came across something uh, even better than prior. And so we, we, I mean, you're literally just blessed or lucky, however you want to put it. It, it just worked out for us in, in, in that manner. Yeah, good for you. I mean, it still takes some work to manage, right? So it sounds like you guys have managed it well and, I mean, obviously done financially well. So so good for you guys. As you and your wife work, right, and accumulate this wealth, what's your motivator? What What's the deep motivator? Is it financial freedom? Is it to be debt-free? Is it to travel, right? You do a lot of that. Is it fear of not having enough? What? What really motivates you? That's a great question. And so it was getting out of debt, right? That was that was such a huge thing. I didn't realize it until we got out that we spent a lot of attention and energy like trying to get out. And then it was, oh, let's then let's let's accumulate. You know, that's not a we're out. Let's let's stack up. That's that's been the motivator. Of course, travel along the way, but I tell you. It's been challenging since COVID because I think COVID has has really made us, I don't want to sound like kind of weird, but it made us examine life differently. You know, we are not going to the restaurants and you're not able to hop on the planes and you're not going to these amazing hotels and or resorts and, oh, you don't have to buy these clothes anymore because you're, I mean, you're, we're lucky to work from home and t-shirts and, uh, and t-shirt and shorts. And so right. you start thinking like, what are we doing? And so 
these past few months, we that's really what we've been focusing on is what do we enjoy in life that we can't buy? And it sounds like it's such an easy question. And we're still, we literally, we just talked about this this past weekend. Um, and for us, you know what it's really been? It's truly appreciating relationships. We would take some for granted, meaning like you always text or call. and But as far as like really nourishing relationships with family, with close friends, and, and really valuing conversations, we've been doing a ton more reading. And just really some of those authentic things where you just, we just enjoy our circles. And that's, that's been something that we've really been focused on, especially in the, in this environment that we're in. So it's, um, that's been a motivator. And the other thing is, um, we have, you know, a lot of, uh, nieces and nephews uh, in our families. Man, they just, we can see that they could really benefit from just some of the, um, stories that we can share with them. I mean, some are like, you know, 19 years old, which is like a prime age for going to college and start thinking about, you know, your right. life and just yeah. be investing in them, you know, sharing information. Um, and then also setting up accounts for them, but they don't, they don't know about them, but set up accounts for them to kind of prepare them for like, by the time they turn 30, they'll have something that they can, you know, be able to work with. So good for you. You do that for each of them. Yeah, yeah, we um we have about um oh well we we do it for about five right now, um and then we're going to be expanding that here soon. Wow, and, and do their parents know about it? Some one does, uh, the others don't. All right, I'll stop asking in case. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> do they? Does your family, like siblings, parents, friends, do they know you're wealthy? You know, um, my sister is an accountant and she she's the only person in my family that knows i think others they have an idea but it's the idea of well we see them go to they travel these places and you know some people identify travel with the wealth uh which is complete completely bogus uh to an extent um but my sister she's like no they no i i know that they have money accumulated and actually she's the one that put me on to the Optimal Finance podcast some years ago, and which really got me into the FI space, paying attention to it. Marvin, just kind of along that line, do you have plans, you know, going forward as you accumulate this wealth and and get to a certain level that you will pass a majority of it down to your nieces and nephews or charities, or how do you think about that going forward? Yeah, I I think for for us, it, it will be. Definitely the younger generations in my family, nieces and nephews. Um, we have uh, some other close friends that have some young, have the young kids. So we definitely look in that space and uh, various charities, church groups, and places like boys and girls clubs that you know that really tra- take time to invest in in the younger people. Yeah, we would definitely see a, a, a lot of it going there in those places. Nice. Again, good for you. So it's pretty amazing. Uh, humbling, right? And motivating to help people that need it or can yeah. benefit from it, right? When you're able to. Agreed. So let me just ask you a couple rapid fire questions here, and then we'll wrap up with advice and, and mistakes you've made. But first, I'm curious, as, as you look back here on this journey, since you joined the military at age 17, are there a few things that you or your wife or both of you could pinpoint and say, hey, that's what made me financially successful. That's what made me a millionaire. You know, I, I, I would say 
Dave Ramsey probably was the most transformational early on, even though I didn't stick to his full plan. But just the idea of stop accumulating more debt, that's a, that's a huge point. And then I would say there was um, a blog by um, Emily, Emily, I think it's Emily Guy Birkin, and it's called There Is No Spoon, opting out of the consumerism matrix. By far the one of the most transformational pieces for, for me, which was like, okay, we got we to gotta make some changes here and um, really, really, really helped me along the way. So along that line, did you feel like you were caught up in consumerism a little bit? I, I would say the gentle lifestyle inflation that comes with various promotions and, you know, as, as your circles begin to change in the corporate structure, the, you, you tend to have the, uh, at, at times, look around you and, and think like, oh, and now I'm in this role. I need to have this kind of watch or this kind of car, or these kind of clothes. Oh, maybe I should have this kind of house. And we didn't go full in, but there were some powerful influences subconsciously that was driving me to spend, which when I came across that podcast or that blog, I was like, yeah, man, I'm a consumer. I need to slow down here. So was that hard? You know, initially, initially, yes. It's it's like when you, you try to go against that that stream, everybody's going down. You're like, wait, what? I don't want to do this. Um, so I think feeling it from that aspect but after after a little while, it it wasn't as it wasn't as challenging. Yeah. So what's been one of our rapid fire questions here that we ask? What's been worth the money? So of the stuff that you did buy, what was worth spending more money on to you? And maybe for you, it was travel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you, uh, tra- travel by far. Um, being able to explore various countries and and to connect authentically with um, with people that are local in those spaces. Um, that I, I really, really value that, and think that's definitely, definitely well worth it. Yeah. And then on the flip side, what wasn't worth it? Man, let me tell you what I did. <laughs> uh, bought a time. I like this. This is a good story coming up. Bought a timeshare, man. It was now nothing against people; they enjoy timeshares. Man, it's, it feels like to me the biggest waste of money. And I bought one. Not only did I do it one time, but then I upgraded it. Oh man, if I had, if I went back in time, <laughs> I, would, I would say, dude, don't don't buy a timeshare. It's okay, don't do it. And then were you able to sell it? <laughs> no, I still have it. Oh, you still have it? Do you use it? You know what? I use I used it one time so far, and um, I have all these. It's it's a Hilton timeshare. Yeah, and I have all these points and stuff that I that I actually have to use by next year. Um, I think they extended it because of you know all the situations. But yeah, it's um, I don't know, man. It sounds so great. We were in Vegas, and you know, man. <laughs> you don't need to go any farther than that. We were in Vegas, the timeshare. Does it make sense for anybody to ever do one? I'm just curious. I mean, I, I haven't done one myself. I haven't heard the pitches, but I know they're out there. Yeah, you know, there there's a nice a long long story. No, I don't. I don't think it is. But but in the right situation where you're like when you get that penthouse you know suite that they're offering and you see the views and the service and it's like it only costs this so you come back and i don't know some they can't they catch you just right in a moment it feels like it should be okay <laughs> only oh, in vegas <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we haven't we haven't dived into this much how much does it cost so this one in particular was oh the initial one was like i think fourteen thousand, and then uh paid an additional I think like twelve or thirteen um, to upgrade it, and 
and you pay with the thing that gets you. I mean, it's not even that. It's more so those the fees that are associated with it. So to book a trip that's outside of my assigned property, it costs, I think, like $69. And there's um, fees that you pay yearly. I think um, we pay like $1,800 every other year. And then there's in between those years, there's like some type of $380 fee that's associated with like HOA. And I mean, it's man. Yeah. It, it's like a, it's like a drain, you know, for, for what you mean. <laughs> now, now, if you, if we talk again next year after I get back from like Barbados and all that kind of stuff, I'll be like, Hey, it's the best thing ever. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. You call um, us back. Tell us never mind about that. Yeah. But right now I'm like, now nah, I definitely won't do that again. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. We talked about financial advisor. How much do you spend a year annual household spending? Um, we, I spend, Right about oh fifty seven fifty eight hundred dollars a month, and so hey, what's that? What's that breakdown? All right, so you're sixty nine seventy sixty eight to seventy thousand a year or something. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right around in there is like actual spend. Okay, and then as much as you're comfortable sharing, what's been your range of of household income since you've started working? Man, since I started working, um, give or take. Yeah, er, early on, combined, we're like oh. 120 and then it's been ranging now so more towards um 380 wow good for you you guys are crushing it now i mean 120 to start's pretty good too right if you i mean just divided by two you're both making 60 grand right off the bat it's pretty good yeah yeah it's not not bad at all not bad yeah yeah good for you guys so just wrapping up here as you look back over your whole journey we've talked for 30 or 40 minutes here what are there any mistakes you've made that you wish you would have done differently? We just talked about the timeshare or any advice, really, right? I mean, for someone coming out of the military or just starting off, or maybe somebody that's in debt, what would be your advice to them? Yeah, you know, I, I would say for somebody in in debt, just to start asking the questions of why why you're in debt, begin just mapping out of like a full picture. I mean, I, I like I use old basic spreadsheet starting out, just mapping out. Everything that you're spending money on that you're that you have bills for, and then start asking like, is it man, is it even worth having this? And and start coming up with a plan to get to get out. That's what um, it didn't. It took me a while to really examine it at that level, because everything for a while was just oh monthly, right? So you don't think about as much as total cost. So I would run that comparison. I like that car. I was great at cost this per month, but it was it's a different conversation when you think about no, what's the total cost? And then you start thinking about is it is it really is it really worth it? And the part that made me think about that the most was probably reading uh, your money or your life when you began just breaking out everything that you do cost and right where, where, where how many hours did that vacation cost you Marvin was that worth it? You know when you think about you know your your income coming in and how you're spending it and so I think those type of sobering thoughts about life and 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 what you're doing with the, the money you're accumulating or gaining especially from a, a w2 perspective it kind of puts things in in, in line for me yeah and just how, how much debt did you have total how much debt total um man, what, what was that number if you could we can run with the ad with me i didn't I grab that with me right away but i can run it down so cars were total for both about fifty thousand. student loans were Oh, about 45. Oh, then this timeshare we just talked about, that was like another 30. Out, outside of that, there wasn't there wasn't a ton of just debt. 
So you were at, I guess, 120, right, ish, without the house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, right around. And how long did it take you to pay off once you really started attacking it? Um, I would say about three years. Yeah, about, about wow. three, right wow. about good, three years. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Well, awesome, Marvin. I mean, what a great story. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing it. Really interesting, and I think it'll resonate with a lot of people. So thank you, thank you. And again, everybody, that's Marvin, net worth of over a million dollars. Thanks for coming on tonight. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Marvin. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.